Welcome to Hope Talks, Stories of Transformation. Hope Talks is a project of David's United Church of Christ in Canal Winchester, Ohio, and dedicated to providing stories with different perspectives of hope. Hi, I'm Erica Jackson, communication and behavior change expert, curious listener, and coach. And hello, I'm Jill Dunubby. I've worked in the legal field for many years, and I love engaging with others about their life journeys and experiences. I'm excited about the ways this podcast shines light on the best of humanity. And we're both members of David's United Church of Christ, where our mission is to seek, celebrate, and share the love of God to all, no exceptions. We believe that learning about and highlighting stories of hope is one place where we can find God at work. So in this episode, we're delighted to talk with Arnetta Davis, a wife and mother of three, social worker and community activist in the Columbus, Ohio area. When tragedy strikes, Arnetta is often one of the first people to show up and engage with families. And she offers not only her skills as a counselor, but also springs into action to get needs met. She is truly a role model for love in action. And we're eager to learn more about what led her to be this way. Hello. Hello. That was what an introduction. (laughs) Welcome, Arnetta. We are thrilled to have you with us today and to spend time with you. And we would first like to learn more about your work with Youth Advocate Services. What is your role and what keeps you working in a field that can be so challenging? Yeah, so I am a licensed social worker. I've been in the field of social work for um, a little over 17 years, actually. So I've done everything from child protective services to uh, now foster care and adoption. Um, And so I guess kind of what keeps me do so what I do right now at Youth Advocate Services is that I license uh, foster and adoptive parents. I do the um, maintaining maintaining our um, license with the state, their license with the states and the counties, um, and just all of the oversight. I also train foster and adoptive parents. Um, and then I was doing some contract work with a company called LES, um, where I was counseling um, children and adults um, <laughs> after my nine to five. So um, I guess what keeps me going and doing social work is that I know I'm called to be a servant and I know that social work is my life. Like I love being able to help, being able to share the love of God through the work that I do. Mm. And uh, our listeners can't see that you smiled really big when you said, I am a, I'm called to be a servant. (laughs) Um, I'd love to hear more about the joy that you get from being a servant. She really lit up. Um, It's, it's an absolute joy. And I, so I do all kinds of different service. Um, We recently started um, attending and joined X church and it was like, I jumped right in and, um, and now doing some serving there. Um, but I also do 
other outreach services. Um, I feed the homeless. I go down into homeless camps and take meals and take um, essentials because it's needed. I have like a ton of stuff I just keep in my trunk. And every time I see someone, I, you know, give them some essential stuff. And so it's just being that beacon of hope um, for people and just showing that the love of God still exists and all is not lost with humanity. Um, And so it just, I enjoy being a service. I enjoy trying to bridge the gap of communities um, and just being helpful. I, I really appreciate just personally receiving today the message from you that hope still exists, that all is not lost. Uh, thank you. I believe it <laughs> you know, when, yeah. you, when you say that. I, I've been a witness to your dedication to the community. I've seen you jump into action with families in need. And most recently, it was a really tragic situation with a fatal drive-by shooting of two children in our community, which has yet to be solved. And so I have two questions for you uh, around that in similar situations. You know, what do you say to people who are mourning in times like that to have them be able to hang on to hope. Um, and, and then secondly, you took on a really huge responsibility for organizing food and gifts for that family and becoming a spokesperson for them. Um, that can be really exhausting. So how do you anchor yourself and hang on to hope? So what do you tell them and what do you say to yourself? Um, that's a great question. Um, so I will start with the first one. Um, so the night of December, the set or the evening of December the 7th, um, was just an absolutely awful time. Um, I remember it as if it was yesterday, it was cold, it was snowing. Um, I just jumped right into action. And so, um, the mother, so Demetrius and Jeremiah go, attend the same school and they play sports and um, those things. And so when we were driving by, um, I was bringing my daughter home from physical therapy and we like saw all of this and I'm like, we're just going to head home um, and find out, you know, we'll check the news and see what's going on. And it was like, as soon as I got in the house, it was just that push of God, like, no, go back. <laughs> and so we literally went back, no, no coats. It was just like running it back out the house again. Um, and I got over there and mom, Brittany literally fell into my arms. Um, all right. If I get emotional, y'all gotta bear with me. Um, <laughs> but it, it was truly just being there with them in that moment, mom and grandma were there. Then some others had came. And so just trying to um, be there with them, show some love and support to them. Um, And I'll, I'll be honest, I was praying out loud to God the entire time, because for me, I know that in this, in situations of tragedy, it's hard for us to see 
past where we are at that moment. And so just giving some, just reaching out to God for some grace and mercy and some covering um, was important. And they, and they needed that because the one thing when, when tragedy is that happens, um, people come in from all over um, and everybody wants a spotlight. Um, And so for me, it's not about that. It's about one, you don't exploit people at their worst. And two, you have to be able to no excuses, no apologies, jump in and help when help is needed. Um, And so it literally was me jumping in um, and being an advocate immediately that night I met with the assistant chief. She came. um, And again, I, I am a familiar face in the community because of some things that I've done and um, just some activist stuff. Um, And then having the detective come and talk with them. And, you know, it was, it was a hard night because again, they can only share so much. It was cold. I I had my daughter bring the car up so that we could use it to try to get uh, grandma and mom warm. And, um, you know, I had some water, some bottled water in the car and, I was just trying to like force it in down into them. And, you know, and so it was just being there and letting them know that they're not alone in this moment. Um, me and mom were laying on the ground several times, just crying. And I was holding her and just, just praying and, you know, letting her know that she's not here by herself and that I'm here with her. Um, and so again, it was, it was a horrible I say assassination because of the, without going into details, just the extent of what was done to babies um, was just, it was awful. It was awful. Um, And so then you, go ahead. I, 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 so what I'm struck by here is, you know, it was a cold night. You're busy, busy mom. You had a long day. And you could have listened to the voice that said, just, you know, stay in, somebody else will take care of it. (laughs) And instead you listened to the voice, that nudge (laughs) that said, go out, go out and just be, and literally lay alongside that person. You were the blank, the blanket (laughs) of, of love, of God's love on, on that evening. Um, and, and, and empathy at its, at its finest, please continue. I'd love to hear that. Oh yeah, Jill, go ahead. I can only imagine just your face being the face of God in that moment Mm -hmm. and how much of a trusted advocate to have someone like you there for them, a true and genuinely trustworthy person to help them through those times just had to have been just a beacon of God shining on them in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we, I'm a firm believer in walking in your purpose. Um, and I could have done anything else that night, but I knew that there was a need and God was, God drew me to them to fill in, um, when it was needed most. Mm-hmm. Mm. So when you use the word assassination, um, 
you know, that, that certainly uh, lays out a picture of tr- unimaginable tragedy and images that uh, yeah. thankfully most of us rarely see. So t- back to the second question, you took on so much to take care of this family beyond that evening. And I'm curious about how you anchor yourself and stay strong uh, amidst all of that. That's a very good question. Um, It's still a work in progress. Um, Someone said, you know, you posed that question and someone had also said, well, you know, did you like go home and take a nap? And, you know, what people didn't know was that after going to the coroner's office, it was back to work. After meeting at the funeral home, it was back to work. Um, And then of course you have to come home and um, be mommy to kids that are grieving also. And so I would say prayer, pray, praying and praying is probably the only thing that has helped me to stay grounded again, because this work isn't done. Right. And so after the funerals and everything is over and kind of the dust settles, that's when the work gets even more harder. And so we're still in the thick of it. Um, And it it definitely is a hard balance for me. Um, I spent a lot of time just praying and crying and praying some more, um, self-care is something that I am absolutely working on. Um, I've not done, I haven't not taken any time to regroup yet, hopefully, um, around mother's day, <laughs> um, I can like take some time to kind of regroup and step back. But for me, when you have such a purpose and you have such a calling and you're tr- and you're walking into that is that you just keep going because you know and I know that God is with me every step of the way and when I'm weak he puts that strength back inside of me um and so yes it is definitely a balance it's a definitely a hard balance um because I'm also a very involved mom. And so it's like, my kids are like, okay, well, we need mommy time. And it's like, all right, let's cuddle up in the bed and have mommy time after I've gone to the coroner's office and done all of these things. And so um, it definitely becomes a, a, a very hard balance. And so it is definitely a work in progress for me. Well, we'll lift up prayers for you that Mother's Day (laughs) is a time (laughs) of rest (laughs) and that you are showered with with the the love, the same kind of love that you give out into the world. Yeah, absolutely. And you've also mentioned that you collect food and supplies for people experiencing homelessness each year. We noticed that even though it can be financially straining, you are committed to this mission. What makes it important to you, despite sacrifices, you have to make yourself? Um, What makes it important to me is that there's always someone else who is worse off than you. Um, I've literally had times where I could have been a paycheck away from sitting where they are. Um, 
And so again, the passion um, is letting them know that even in their situation, they are still humans. They are still children of God. They are, and there are people that care about them. And if I and my family can be those people to show them that, then why not? Um, especially, you know, in times where the economy is bad and just things are just rough for everybody. And there are times where I'm like, okay, I maybe should not make these sandwiches and do this homeless food for my own financial reasons and like strains. But then it's like, you know what, what if this was the only meal that they were going to get for that day? Um, and so twice a year since my girls are now 16 and 17, but since they were probably about five or six, um, twice a year, um, we've now gotten into three times a year now, but um, it typically started out after thanks after Thanksgiving and then after Christmas, we would um, collect blankets and socks and uh, toiletry items, and then we would make a lunch. Um, ham sandwiches, turkey sandwiches, chips, like everything. Um, there are some years where we were actually cooked and we did hot meals and just drove them around. Um, I, when I say drive them around, yes, we see people at freeways, um, but it has definitely been my passion and my mission to go into the homeless camps. Um, and so people say, well, what about safety? I, I know, and I pray and we pray before we go. My uh, my middle daughter, Anissa, she loves it. Every year she's like, all right, let's get this started. Where's the bags at? Um, and so we, we pray before we go and we actually go into the homeless camps. We go down into the banks of the Ohio River off of Greenline Avenue um, to just be that blessing to people. And we're curious to know, what stories of hope have you found in your visits with the recipients? Oh, it, it's, it's been absolutely great. Um, it, because, again, we it, it's just that unconditional love. Um, there's always a test of faith. Um, and he's still walking with them. And it's just always exciting when I go into the different camps um, and I see the different people and they're like, hi, Miss Arnetta. Um, or they're like, your macaroni and cheese last year was great. And it's like, oh, you remembered. Um, and so, and, and again, it's not just adults. We see children, um, pets. And so it's just always um, just sharing with them that God hasn't left them even in their darkest hours to still hold on. Um, I used to, when we first started, allow other people and their organizations to go along with me. But the one thing about the work that I do and that I've been doing in my outreach is that this is not about exploiting people, right? This is not about an, a financial gain or a business gain. This is about spreading the love of God and helping those who need it the most. And so 
I've recently pulled back from allowing other people and other entities to go with us because like you can, if you're going with us, you cannot take pictures. You cannot bring a phone. You know, it's just, you cannot pass out your business cards and say, you know, tell them that I gave this to you because that's not what it's about. Um, and so in, in those situations, it's just been great. And um, sometimes it just depends on uh, whether praying with them is not always something that they desire at that moment. And so I just truly, you know, we pray before we go and then it's, it's truly being led in the moment. Um, and that determines what we do when we're actually out there. So I'm hearing that you are truly meeting folks where they are. Absolutely. Providing them a, a service of hope a, along with um, needs, other needs. Right. And with, with no strings attached, no agenda other than um, to, to walk alongside. Um, I really appreciate the attitude you bring to not push anything on them. Um, yeah and 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 that's that's truly what it is is because they see a lot of people who come and bring them a bible that's great that is thank you um i know that for you that is what you are you are called to do but you also have to think about the tangibles in that and and what's needed and feeling that need at that moment um, and so sometimes we pray with them. Sometimes they ask me to pray with them. And then sometimes it's just providing the, the things to them. Um, I'll take like resource cards of like different pantries that they could go to different soup kitchens. Um, recently I've been passing out warming station location information, um, so that they know where they can go when it's cold. Um, so yeah, so it's just, it's just being there, hmm. being in the moment. So we know that people who live in service of others often have life experiences that, that drive them <laughs> to be that way. Yeah. What are some of the milestones in your own life that led you to be so generous? Ooh, so um, I did not grow up in Kanawha, Winchester. I grew up in the South side of Columbus um, and we struggled. There were, we were a middle-class family. My dad passed away when I was uh, very young. And so growing up, it was watching my mom work and work and do what she needed to do to make ends meet for three kids. My mother, um, I truly get this gift from my mother um, because my mother will feed and clothe and house everybody. Um, my husband always says, like, when I was collecting the things for the family, he's like, can you stop giving out our address? Like, I know your heart, but can we not keep giving out our address? And I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, um, and so it truly is growing up, watching my friends and my families suffer and struggle to have ends meet. Um, but then also being able to see people step in to help meet those needs. And so I knew um, 
at a very early age that I was going to go into a field of helping others. Um, And so I don't always get it right. Um, And I say that because I am very much so a pushover. Um, And it's hard for me to say no, right? Um, And so when, when a call is made to me, it's like, okay, I'm coming. Um, People call me a lot to help them plan funerals. Um, And I say, okay, what do you need me to do? Um, Because I didn't realize until recently that there are people who charge thousands of dollars to families at their darkest hours to plan a service. And I'm like, oh, no, you you don't give me anything. There is nothing that you can give me. Um, what is it that I can give to you? And if that means planning a service from start to finish so that that takes the burden off of the family, then that's what I do. I've told some funeral homes like, all right, you got to stop giving out my phone number. Um, <laughs> like we, we're taking a break from this for a minute. And so um, the one thing that I will say is that Um, Pastor Tim said something um, during morning service that um, being busy isn't always better um, and making time for the things that are most important. Um, And that stuck with me because I'm like, that is so true because it, it allows you to refocus and know like what's important and helping those who don't have the means and abilities to help themselves um, is truly what's what's important. And so I know we get caught up in like kicks activities and those things, but I found myself regrouping and focusing on what's important and why I started doing this work was to provide the assistance that was given to my family at times. So you are called to this work because you've experienced uh, the challenges of, uh, you didn't describe it as poverty, but the challenges that uh, many people in the United States experience, but you also witnessed um, h- how people came to, to support you, came, came to your aid. Mm. Absolutely. Before the grace of God go I, right? And we can all find ourselves no matter our lot in life. Um, and we are grateful for you who who fills in those gaps. Um, and you, you mentioned earlier um, about your mother being your role model and how you are being a role model for your daughters. And you've taught them that service to others is doing God's work. Absolutely. So we're wondering... Who are your other role role models? Um, For me, I always want to do what's pleasing in God's sight. Um, And that's always at the forefront of everything I do. Um, But then my mom, my mother, um, my aunts, who also are of service to others. um, and, And just being that positive influence and role model, not just for my kids, but in, in mind, in our neighborhood and amongst my kids, friends, I am a safe house for everybody. 
<laughs> good, bad, or indifferent, no matter how overwhelmed I am. Um, and so our house is like always full. And so I just go back to what I've seen and my mom and my aunts and doing what I know um, God needs me to do. So knowing that you are so integral to your community, what's, what's the message of hope that you would like to carry forward to anyone who's listening? And also, I want to give you an opportunity to put a plug in for any projects <laughs> that this listening community can support that are, that are near to your heart. So my message of hope to the community is that now is a time for us to bridge the gaps. Um, now is a time for us to come together as a community, put aside political matters, and work on sharing love and allowing people to see that neighborly love still exists um, and allowing the next generation to know the importance of being kind to others, the importance of being there for people no matter what. I don't ask people what your political views are before I hand you a bag. Um, and so it truly is um, setting all things aside and coming together as a community um, to truly help one another and be of service to each other. Amen. Arnetta, thank you so much for spending your time with us today and sharing your story and message. We are in awe of your generosity and we know it will serve as an inspiration for others to move into action. And to our hopeful listeners, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back soon to inspire you with another episode of Hope Talks. Thank you for listening to this segment of Hope Talks. I hope you join us again. And please encourage others to listen and check out other David's United Church of Christ programs at davidsucc.net. It is our hope that your day is filled with hope. Thank you.